what we're talking about is the kingdom clash, the, the clash between the kingdoms of this world and the kingdoms of God, and, and that uh, we know who wins, we got all that, but sometimes I believe it's, it's just a time that we need to be teaching what this looks like in practical terms. Now, last week, I know that you, thank you, gentlemen, appreciate it. Last week, I, I know that you, uh, that, that you listened to the message, that you engaged in the message, and then my assumption is that when you walked out in the world, you saw what I was talking about. And uh, you can see it plain and clear what, what the world looks like today. And I've got it, thank you. And, uh, and what the world looks like today and how confusing it can be for someone who doesn't have an anchor in the Lord. And so I want to describe to you today some stuff. I'm going to teach a little bit and then we're going to preach a little bit. And hopefully you receive that this morning and you can stay awake, stay paying attention to what is going on. You see, the enemy wants the world to sleep. The enemy wants the world to... Uh, Fall asleep when God is speaking truth, and so I'm going to turn this a little bit, and if it's a bad angle for the camera, we can work on that later, but um, I believe that in this hour that we have to actually define the enemy's tactics and help them, help us to understand what he's going to be doing and how he's going to be doing it so that we can then derail the enemy, and we read last week um, in scripture, we, we read through all these different things that there are children of God and children of Satan. We've done that for three weeks in a row. Do we have that? Do we know that there are two kingdoms battling against each other? One is real and one is counterfeit. And the counterfeit one normally gets the press, not the real one, because the real one means you have to change because there's a higher power than you on the planet. You don't get to answer that question. So if you go with me to Ephesians 5, I'm going to go back to verse 11. And it says, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. So I take that as a command. We need to expose them. So let's do that this morning and have a little fun with this because God gives us truth that we can expose darkness. And, and I love the, the picture about, I don't know, it must have been three weeks ago we came in here. We have worship night on Thursday night. You're all welcome to come. Uh, we meet in here at 7. The first 15 minutes is just getting all the fingers and voices warmed up. But um, we actually have worship. It's not just worship practice. We actually do worship here. And, uh, and sometimes we're here a couple hours. Sometimes it's a lot more than that. And sometimes we just say, we've got it ready for Sunday and we're ready to move. So you're all welcome to come. But it was a, a few weeks ago, Caitlin uh, walked in here. And she said, Dad, I'm going to do something really weird tonight. I just feel like the Lord's asking us to do something really weird. And, uh, and it's just going to feel weird. It's not weird. It just feels weird. And we're not going to worship tonight in the normal way. We're not going to kick on the amps and do all that. We're going to just sit in his presence. And we're going to ask him to speak to us. And so this morning, as we start this off, I want to talk about the dreamer that is in your heart. The one that has, has transformed who you are and, and who is for you. You see, in Genesis, it talks about God was hovering the, the deep. That there was nothing, that he was just hovering. But you know what? For, for annals of time before that, he dreamed of you. He dreamed of what he would create to, to populate this earth so that he could have a relationship. A relationship. If you notice that the enemy always counterfeits things, he tries to invade your relationships. He tries to, to uh, tear them down. He tries to pervert your relationships because the relationship is what God spoke into the darkness that revealed light and created everything that was created. Now, there, there are people out there that would want you to believe that all this just happened. 
And those are the same people that would believe that God doesn't exist and, and that they are God. Really, if you want to boil it down, that's their belief. They believe they're God and they have the final say and they get the answer. Now, I want to tell you that for me, that doesn't give me much hope because I'm sort of a failed person. And if I'm the final judge, then man, we're in trouble. I'm in trouble for myself. If you're the final judge for you, you're in trouble because we're all failed beings. But God has come in us and transformed us. But, you know, there's a whole group of people on the planet that don't believe that God ever dreamed up anything. They don't believe that his heart was to have a relationship with mankind and that we were created to bring his kingdom to earth. They don't believe any of that. And they don't believe that there's a higher power in life right now on the planet, that there's a higher power that has truth, solid truth, that you can bank on every single time. It's not going to change with the party. It's not going to change with a, a different uh, atmosphere around. It's always consistent. And they don't believe that because that scares them because they're not in control. Well, I'm glad I'm not in control this morning. I'm glad that there is a power that is better than me being in control. So this week I have to just share with you, I, I sometimes get up here and get to just share what God is doing. And God's doing a lot. Be on the lookout November 1st. Can you imagine just a bunch of churches coming together that, were, that are going to march through the, the county seat of New Philadelphia that are going to light candles and release the light of heaven over our city, over our county, because there is only one church in Tuscarawas County. There's only one church. There's 184, I think, other like church buildings and church groups, but there's only one church. And I believe that if we unite with other pastors and we unite with other churches and we celebrate one church, then uh, we're going to see him move like we've never seen him move before. And so, so be on the lookout. Be at the courthouse on November 1st. You'll hear a lot and see a lot if you're on our marketing channels. But, uh, but you can do that. It will probably be broadcast over the AGA network, which will be fun. And uh, we'll do some live streaming events down there to share what God is doing. But I got to meet with some really cool people and pastors this week and last week. And I went to New York this week. I left Monday morning. And... Uh, Four guys, four pastors, and I went to New York to go on the Charles Finney tour and to actually walk in his steps. Uh, luckily, I didn't have to ride a horse, and, uh, and I didn't have to take a machete and cut down things to get from city to city. We actually just drove, but um, it was so, in, so just invigorating to know that over 500,000 people came to know Jesus because of this man in 1845 when there were no roads. There was no technology. There was just the same Holy Spirit that you and I have right now. Moving in a man who said yes, and said yes, and said yes. And when there were two people in a, in a town called Grand Governor, and, uh, and they said, you know, the spirit of prayer came on these two ladies. He said, I say yes. And he rode for a day and a half through all the winter stuff on his horse and made it there. And it was two days after his wedding, and um, he had you know, got married on Saturday or whatever day it was. And two days later, he left for this revival that God was breaking out and left his wife at home. And I think it was six months later, he finally went back home because it snowed so much they couldn't move. We are so blessed in this day that we have technology and snow plows and stuff like that. And yet, I think we all have somebody to look up to, 500,000 souls in the kingdom of God because of his obedience. We have no excuse, ladies and gentlemen. We have no excuse uh, one of the stories, we went to a small schoolhouse, and, and uh, the, the, in his memoirs, he talks about teaching at the schoolhouse, and the teacher that brought him in for this meeting, uh, her husband wanted to kill Finney because he was a universalist, and so he brought his gun, and 
um, sat down in the building and got touched by the Lord and ran out the back door and ran into the woods and came out the next morning bless, blessing and praising God because he, he got what the pastor had and he wanted it. He wanted something. He said, I, I went to kill this preacher, but he had something that I need. And he spent all night in the woods just crying out to the Lord and he got born again. Listen, that's what God wants to do in Dover, Ohio. That's what God wants to do in New Philadelphia, Ohio. That's what God wants to do in Tuscarawas County, Ohio, the United States, and around the world. But he needs people who are willing to say yes and say, whatever it takes, if I have to be away from my wife for six months after just being married, can't imagine that. But if I have to be away from her, I will do it because there's a higher call on my life that I need to go engage in. And so we went, we went all over and we drove, I think it was a total of four tanks of fuel in two days, and it was just a lot. And I can't imagine what that would be like in 1840. But um, we got to go to his homestead where he built the foundation of his house. And uh, he talks about it in his memoirs. And I actually stood in the basement and uh, saw the cornerstone that he set there. And uh, lots of stuff, lots of stuff that we don't think about in history. But I can tell you this, that those who, those who control history control the future. And those who control the present control history. And so we are required to stand guard at the gate of our mind, of our eyes, of our ears, and know what truth is because those in the present will control the history and the history will control the future. And so we, are, we have to be on guard every day. So we spent three days, got to meet some lovely people in New York. Now, this was an interesting thing and it's nothing against them because they just, they don't know. But can you imagine living in a house where Finney lived and not even knowing that Finney lived there? Can you imagine being in a house where 15 people got born again, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and this revival broke out that hit 500 people in the region, and you're living in that house and you have no clue who Finney is? And it happened in your living room because the house is still there. I asked the Lord this while we were driving. I said, Lord, what is it that we don't know that we're right beside that you've done that we should tap into because there's still power in that place, because there's an anointing in that place? What is it that we need to tap into locally? And it's funny that we asked that question because yesterday at our Living History Luncheon, we had Pastor David Zeisberger who was a Moravian missionary who came to this area, who, who felt compelled to learn seven languages, I believe, something like that, and, uh, and minister to the Indians of this area to bring them to know who Jesus is. And to set up these, these settlements along the river, because there were no roads, so set up settlements along the river, there was a war path, that was it, but to set up these settlements, and, and God moved on them, moved on this community, that they would call these settlements and the, and the Indians would call these settlements the settlements of light. Because they were in this valley. They were in the Tuscarawas Valley and there was no light. Except for in these, in these cities, in these uh, territories, in these uh, places. And the Indians would come from all around from the hills and come down. And they would come to the cities of light and they would say, What is this all about? And they would find that the light doesn't just come from a candle. The light comes from a being that is inside of a person who when released will transform generations. And that's our call today. That we can not only be like Finney and that we can walk into a cotton factory where they're making, they're making uniforms for the, for the Civil War and they're dyeing them. 
And he walks in and the power of God is so on him that women stop sewing, they get on the ground, they begin to pray and cry out because they see heaven and they feel God's presence. That's what he wants from us today. But there are forces of evil that want to pervert everything I just described. They want to change history. They want to, they want to make, they want to make this, these settlements out to be negative things, but they weren't. There are situations that they take advantage of and, and they manipulate to get you to think differently. But we are called to be light in the world. It says in Matthew 5, 14 through 16, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its savor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing to be thrown out and trampled on underfoot by men, but you are the light of the world, a city set upon a hill that cannot be hidden. You may not even know that your light is being hidden this morning. I want to tell a quick story about what's happened in our children's church. A few weeks ago, a, a child came in and I love, I, and I just want to thank everyone who serves in our kids' ministry because I know you don't go down there to just teach a lesson. I get that. You're down there to see a generation transformed. These are, these are just powerful students and they're powerful teachers giving them truth. And this student came in and they got to a point where they could just talk. I mean, they did their worship, they did all that stuff and they could just talk. And this child kept saying this phrase over and over again. It was a label that somebody had put on them. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was a grandparent. Maybe it was kids at school. But they put on this label every, in, in probably 20 times in a 10-minute conversation. And so the teacher that was there with that student said, do you realize that you don't have to accept the label? You don't have to accept the label that, that people have put on you and said, do you want to get rid of the label? Do you want to get rid of the label? And this student said, yes, I want to get rid of the label. I, in fact, I want to take it off right now. And so they went up to the office and they got sticky notes and wrote that on a label and put it on this person, this student, and they pulled it off as they thanked the Lord for freedom from all that stuff. And we've seen transformation in this, this student's life. This is what God wants but the enemy wants to pervert what God wants and he wants you to wear labels. Labels like you don't have any power in this society. That you, don't, you can't change the culture. That, that the odds are against you. That your voice isn't strong enough. That you can't carry a tune in a bucket. So that means you can't praise him. These are stickers and lies that the enemy puts on us every single day. And I'm here to tell you that you are light. And when he spoke into the darkness, light burst forth and truth came. So I want to do a quick recap for those who weren't here last week. We talked about socialism. Socialism goes all the way back to Plato. It's not a new thing. It's not attached to a party, although a party is ascribed to it. But the pilgrims tried socialism. They tried the theory of Plato Sir Thomas More, Sir Francis Bacon. But those were all theories and they actually put it into practice and they almost all died because it doesn't work. And later today we're going to talk about why it doesn't work. But there was this man that was a philosopher that really shaped what this looked like. And he was a, he was a professor and a philosopher at the University of Berlin. His name was Hegel. And Hegel made this statement. He said, the state is God walking on earth. 
Can you imagine the, the state, the government is God walking on earth? That's what he believed. And there were people sitting in his classrooms. Do you know the, if you've watched anything on Facebook or the news in the last week of what has gone on in our community, at our local bedroom college, and what is being taught in English number one, that are high school kids in English number one, and the pornography that is being spread through there, it's not without precedent. It happened in the University of Berlin. And so he said this, the state is God walking on earth. What a, what a horrible thing to say. But you know what? It, it led to this, to this birthing of a new movement from Karl Marx called Marxism, the founder of communism. And here's the, the, this, this evolution of this thought. I don't even understand it in, in the way I see it all around me. I just can't understand how people can think this way. But this is what it says. It's a dialectic triangle that came out of this, this discussion. It says you start with the status quo because people are bored and the status quo just keeps them silent. And then you create a problem that is really, really, really bad. And that problem that's really, really, really bad will take those people that are asleep and they'll wake them up. And they'll say, we need to have a solution. And then on the white horse or black horse, whatever you want to call it, come riding in the people that want to change the culture. And they say, okay, so the status quo, that's there. Everybody's, everybody's asleep. We're now going to create something really, really horrible. And then when we create that horrible thing, we're going to come in with a solution that's only half as bad. And every single time throughout history that the solution has been half as bad as the problem that they created themselves, we find the loss of freedom. Every single time. Every single time. Marx, the founder of communism, said that socialism is the transitional phase between capitalism and communism. It's a road. It's a pathway. And we have a choice as the church to be able to stand and to stand on truth. Amen. Marx had this theory too. The same one that Hegel had. Because students of corruption are corrupted. Marx said this. To this theory that. You have to send agitators. Community organizers. Labor organizers. To identify groups with grievances. To stir them into a crisis. And then someone needs to come in and restore order. And that is when a mayor or a governor or a seated official comes in and says, I can restore order. All I need to do is take some of your rights for this to move forward. And the title of the series that we're in is The Kingdom Clash, but socialism is Satan's signature move. When you watch the enemy move across the world, of the 45 countries that have fallen to communism, they've all went through progressivism, They've all then transitioned into socialism and then they've transitioned into communism. And all of it has to do with the removal of God from everything and going from one step to the next in removing God. Socialism is always a failure because it says to you that you have no rights except for what the state will give you. Dwight Eisenhower said, in some countries, the state claims to be the author of human rights. If the state gives rights, it can inevitably and will take those rights away. So I want to ask you some questions and I want to work on the board a little bit this morning, but how does socialism 
affect a free society. And what does that look like throughout history? There was this, this interesting uh, person, and I know I'm going to butcher the name, so forgive me, but you can look it up. In 3rd century B.C., there were the warring states period in China, and things were all, all going back and forth, and the emperor that won, his name was Queen Shiwandi. And he was criticized because he won, and what he did was, he said, everything that happened before today, we are burning, and we are getting rid of. We're starting this country over again today. All history is gone. And he was criticized heavily for that. So the number one thing that you can see when socialism impacts a country is deconstruction. The values, the, the core tenets of a, of a society begin to be deconstructed down. And the first thing that goes is a belief in God. It's a belief in God. And, and we know from George Orwell's book in 1984, it states, whoever controls the past controls the future. And whoever controls the present controls the past. So I want to talk to you for one minute about where we are as a society. And don't worry, I'm not thinking that God is going to, you know, I'm not leaving it with just a history lesson about where we are. Because God is moving today. But we have to know where we are to know where we're going. And so there's two extremes in earthly governments. One of them we see clearly in scripture. In the beginning of scripture, there is a king this king is totally in control you do what the king says or you're dead pretty much full government 100% government and then there is another extreme over here that is no government in other words anarchy and so along this stream from here to here, there are certain types, and we see them all throughout history. We see that there are republics, which are a little more over here, and there are, there are communists, and they're, and they're all along the thing, and I don't want to focus on that this morning, but what I want to focus on is what deconstruction has to happen in a society for any of those on that spectrum to actually be accepted and held as a belief system. And so I want to take you a little bit through history. So Germany in 1930 was a republic. Did you learn that in school? Germany was a republic until this man came onto the scene named Adolf Hitler. And he had these people called brown shirts that would go in and they would find somebody with a grievance and they would begin to go into meetings of his opponents and shout them down in their meetings. So they would be holding meetings and the brown shirts would come in and shout them down and try to stop free speech and try to stop all of that. And so these brown shirts began to just start to terrorize the city and they broke, I think it was 7,000 storefronts of Jews in one night to prove their power. But what happened was the society was so asleep that when he came into power that all of the Things that were being done created a problem. And that problem was very large. And so he was able to come in and bring a less problem. A slightly less bad thing. And the public accepted it. And we know that as communism. And it always devolves into a dictatorship communism. One person or a ruling class and a ruled class. And it always goes that way. 
And I believe that, yes, Jesus is above this. He, didn't, he came with the government on his shoulders, and it's not the governments of this earth. But I think we need to see this. So the fundamental belief of socialism is that you get your rights from the state. The state. Now, the Bible tells us a lot of different things, and I'm going to go through this timeline really quickly and point out what happened to the nation of Israel. It won't be on your screen, so just listen. 1400 BC, the Israelites came out of Egypt. We've talked about that. We've, even in the last few months, we've talked about them coming out of Egypt, coming out of slavery, and then they get to the promised land, and God takes the reproach off of them from Egypt, and, and they're actually living in the promised land, and for 400 years, they didn't do what the world said they should do. See, the world in that time said, you should have a king. And they said, yeah, no, 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 no. We got something better than a king. We've got a covenant between each other and God. And that covenant will be the guide of our life. And that lasted for 400 years. For 400 years, they were able to live in a society in which there was a covenant between everyone in the group and God. And this is the first time on the planet that a group of people, over a million people, were not ruled by a king. They were ruled by a covenant. And they had to understand that God was their creator, God was their guide, and God was the ultimate ruling authority. So they come into the promised land, they're defying the odds, they don't have a king. Now, this covenant brought some things with it. The people had this covenant with each other. Now, there's something about being an individual, but being a part of a group, hence the ecclesia. We are individual, one-on-one -on -one relationships with God, which means if we are in connection with him, we have a heart like his, we sh our face shines like him, and we are actually walking as his agents of change on the earth. But when we get together, it's not just a good party and good food. We have control and power. They were all equal before God. You don't hear that much anymore. They weren't just equal, they were equal before God. They got their rights from this creator, this God. They got their rights for their life from him. And they were accountable to him. And for 400 years, they walked through life with a covenant. And then we know that at the end of 400 years, the priest stopped teaching the law. Every man did what he wanted in his own eyes. And everything fell into chaos. And if you go back to that and, and you go back to the scripture and read, everything fell into chaos. And so what happened? They cried out for what? A king. And Saul was the king. So now let's fast forward. There was this age of enlightenment. And this age of enlightenment said that that whole, that whole covenant thing is, is outdated. We need, to, we need to progress past the covenant deal. This age of enlightenment, we are enlightened human beings. We need to have a social contract. We need to have a contract between us as people, and God can be in it or out of it. It's whatever we all agree. And so the age of enlightenment came, and the ruling of God began to slip from this earth again. And so in this age of enlightenment, they said, 
yeah, some groups had a, a God deal and some groups didn't have a God deal, but we're all okay because we agreed on it. And it's a social contract. It's not a covenant. I think it's interesting that covenants don't break, contracts do. And that's how they named it. A covenant doesn't break, contracts can be broken. And, uh, and so they did it in, in a way that can be broken. So the next thing that we need to remember out of history is that there was this revolution in France called the French Revolution. And if you read anything about the current day socialist communist thought process, you will find that it, most of it's taken from this French Revolution. And I want to read to you what the French Revolution actually brought forth. It was a social contract, that same thing that came in the Enlightenment re renewal period, only it was definitely without God. Like, you couldn't have God a part of it at all. Okay? So the French Revolution completely removed God out of the social contract. No way that God could be in there. Number two, they rewrote the calendar. And they started year one at 1792 because they did not want there to be a year of our Lord. They were intentional to de-Christianize all of France in that revolution. De-Christianize all of it. No signs of God anywhere. Take it all out. We don't want it. They said, you don't, just, you don't get your, your rights from God. You get your rights from the group. When you, when you have group think, at least this is what I found out, whenever you have a meeting and you're just sort of doing group think, you always end up with the lowest common denominator of truth because that person isn't ever going to raise up to where everybody else is. So you dumb everything down to incorporate the, the one that isn't there, right? And that's why we have to shape consensus, not live from consensus. So then what comes out of the French Revolution? This thing called socialism, Marxism, communism. The group is all that matters. Now tell me if you're hearing this. The group is all that matters. It's what the masses want. That's what we should get. doesn't matter about the rule of law. It's whatever the masses want. That's what we should be ascribed to. Whatever the group agrees upon becomes the law. The law of the land is whatever we all agree on. It makes this group God over the people. This is all coming out of this revolution, and, and these people picked up on it, and they, they started to morph it into today. The next thing is, if you don't contribute to this group, your life is worthless. And the group can determine what happens to you. If you're not providing enough income to the group, then the group can just kill you. If you're not a benefit to society, they can let you just stay in the nursing home. Does any of this sound familiar, people? Come on. Socialists, communists, they all deny a creator. It, why? That's the question. Why do they do this? It's all pretty simple. They deny a creator because if you get your rights from a creator, then they can't take them away. If they give you the, your rights, then they can remove your rights. So they don't want a people who are compelled to do life under the guise and rules of a God who created the universe, who gives them their authority, who gives them their identity, who gives them their ruling. They don't want to provide you that because they can't take that away. 
So why? Why would people subscribe to their rights being from the state? It's the good old deconstruction. I talked about it last week. If I wanted to sell you a new vacuum cleaner, I would come into your house and I would convince you that yours doesn't pick up as much dirt as it should. And you would start to say, well, I paid all this money for this thing and it's not picking up all the dirt. Maybe I made a mistake. You just went from being forward into neutral. You now are questioning all of your beliefs. And now, as a good salesman, I will present to you the solution. The solution is what I'm selling, right? And so that's what's happened over the years and you've all lived it. You all out there watching, you've all lived through it and you've been asleep. We've all been asleep. And they've deconstructed the truth that you know, that this country was founded on Judeo-Christian ethics and rules, and that God is a source of our founding documents, and that our, our founding fathers, although they were broken people, we get all that, they were listening to a higher power when they wrote these documents. And in the end, when they wrote, it's our lives, our fortunes, our sacred honor, it wasn't just for freedom, it was for the gospel. It was for the freedom that comes from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Socialist governments do not like anyone who has freedom from another outside source because they cannot take it away. They have to be the dispenser of your rights. Now, in Scripture, I read that our rights come from God, not a party or a governmental structure. Now, I want to tell you one of the first things that you'll see in a society that starts to ascribe to these beliefs. As a society goes down the road of progressivism, socialism, and then ultimately communism, you'll begin to see that the state starts to own things. The state starts to own your health care. The state starts to own those things that you're in charge of. In fact, the Bible tells us that there are five groups that, that God talks to, and that is the individual, the family, right? The employer-employee relationship, the church, and government, and none of this stuff that comes through the socialistic viewpoint or the communistic viewpoint where they own your education, they own your, your health care, they own all that stuff, none of that was ever addressed to them in Scripture. The government was to protect the people from outside enemies and to make sure that they are protected from inside, to protect and defend the people. So I want to take you to a scripture that just stuck out to me today. Exodus 35, 21. Then everyone came whose heart was stirred. I want to give you the, the, the view of this real quick. So they're getting ready to build the tabernacle. Okay? They're getting ready to build the tabernacle. They've left Egypt. They're going to build this thing. And God tells Moses, anyone who wants to bring stuff, have them bring stuff so that we can build this deal. Okay? So I want to go back into the scripture here. Then everyone came whose heart was stirred and everyone whose spirit was willing and they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting for all its service and for the holy garments. Here we go. This is a key that you will see disappear when socialism and communism comes your way. The ability to have a heart of generosity like God, to be able to give what you want and to be able to help those who you know are in need because the state says we'll take your money and we'll, allow, we'll tell you where that needs to go. So what does socialism do? It's a great play on how they limit what can be done charitably in the world. 
because they control the hearts and minds of people. So the first thing you'll see when, when this comes into your society, and you're already seeing it, is that there won't be as much to be charitable with. And the more that that goes on, we see a lethargy and an apathy in the hearts of those who have the heart of God because they feel like they can't do what they feel led to do. And then the tentacles of this government come into your life. Every man was moved in their heart of what to bring so that they could build this temple of the Lord. They were moved. God was moving in them. The rights that come from God are only given to individuals, not to groups. We see it in this scripture. The individual had the power to build what God needed them to build. The individual had the power. They didn't go and say, hey, everybody, we want all the gold that you have. Bring it here and set it down. That sounds sort of like the other stuff. No, they said, whoever is willing and whoever's heart has been pricked to do this, come and provide and we will have all we need. Why? Because God didn't create a group. He created you as an individual. He created you for a relationship. And when everything is dumbed down to groupthink, you lose every right and you lose every relationship. So I want to draw a picture for you. So when you have God at the top of your list as the authority and something comes into your life that would derail you from your destiny. So let's just pick one. Let's say alcoholism comes into your life and it would derail you from your destiny. So if you have, if you have this problem, right? Or you can pick anything. You can say drugs. You can say whatever you want. Something comes into your life and you do not have a solid north. You don't have solid truth. Then you're out there trying to figure it out on your own. And so by having God here, we know, and when we encounter his word and we, we encounter his people that love us, that are his face, we know that this can be broken because God loves us and he paid for us. Now, I want to go to the social contract, okay? The social contract. The social contract We're going to skip past the first one. We'll go to the French Revolution one. It says that there is no God. That you are the ultimate authority. You're the ultimate authority. So here's what happens. You come into one of these things that derails your life. And, and you're, you're stuck. You don't know what to do. You don't have this belief over here. You are the answer. And so as we talk to people all over this county that are dealing with addictions, the answer is them, and they don't have it. And so what do they do? They see no hope. They see no, no getting out of this whatsoever, and so they sit and think about taking their own life because that's the best that this is ever going to get you. And so this social contract idea that's been permeated throughout our society is not only leading to the death of your freedom it's leading to the death of your friends and family now communism and socialism 
They take it one step further. And they say this, you're not the ultimate authority, the group is the ultimate authority. So when alcohol comes into your life, when drugs comes into your life, when, when all different kinds of things come in to derail you, the only answer in a society like that is to look to the group. And the group will tell you whether you fit in or whether you don't, and they're going to decide what happens to you. You see how society is just devolving. 45 nations and, and counting, probably more by now, 45 nations have gone from being republics and, and God-fearing countries all the way down to, I'm going to let the government tell me exactly what I'm supposed to do and if I'm supposed to live because they're in control. I want to take you to a scripture. Is this making sense? Okay. So Jesus didn't function in this realm. He came on the earth and he brought another kingdom. And then he said, hey, if you get born again, then guess what? You're, and you're one of my disciples, then I've got a mission for you. And that is to bring the kingdom that I brought and be, be permeating that throughout the community. I want you to, to go and make this a place that looks like heaven. And he said, there's all this stuff going on. We know that the third century, communism was already on the planet. That's way before. Anyway, I'll stop. It was already here. And an interesting fact, uh, in Germany, there was this, this media guy who permeated the media with nonsense. His name was Goebbels. But did you know, or Goebbels, whatever, however you say it. Anyway, but did you know where he got his ideas from? He got his ideas from Woodrow Wilson's press guy who wrote a book. And he took that book to Germany and look at the millions of people that were killed because of misinformation in the media. There you go. Anyway, just some, just some truth. It didn't come from there, here. It came from a person who was deranged here and went there. We've elected them before. Let's not do it again. Okay, so Luke 8, Luke 8, 26 I want to take you to this story. God was above the earthly government. God brought a kingdom to transform the earth. And that's what we're here today for. This that I'm showing you is not so you get mad and throw things at your TV. It's that you're educated, you go vote, and then you live in your kingdom realm no matter who gets elected. Because it doesn't change our call as believers. We are here as agents on the earth to bring heaven to earth. That's it. Okay, it doesn't matter what country we live in, what government. In fact, in New York, I was with, I was with a man who was here from another country that I'm not going to say, and I'm not going to say his name, but he was here because the U U.S. accepted him because he was preaching the gospel in a Muslim country, and um, they raided his house, took his, took his daughters, took his wife. They beat him. They thought he was dead. They broke his arm, and beat him completely unconscious. He woke up in the hospital. They did surgery on his arm and completely messed up the surgery because it's a third world country and they didn't know how to do it. And so he's in the United States getting it fixed. And I sat and we worshiped together, which was the most powerful thing. And I said, sir, I do not know what you paid. I, I can't relate to you. But what I do know is, is that my heart is with you. And I know that what you paid and the price that you paid has built the kingdom. And I pray that you get to go back 
and tramp on the serpent's head. And I pray that you get to go back and get your family back and your church back. And I pray that you get to go bring heaven to earth. And we weep together and we prayed together. We sang together, all of us. It was just this great, great time. So verse 26. Then they sailed out of the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he stepped on the land, there he met a certain man from the city who, was de- who had demons for a long time. And he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High? I beg you, do not torment me, was the demon inside speaking. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. We don't have to check with government to get rid of spirits. It's not groupthink. It's kingthink. For he commanded the unclean spirit to come out of him, for it it had often seized him. And he was kept under guard, bound in chains and shackles, and he broke with the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. Jesus asked him, saying, what is your name? I can tell you one thing that will combat all of this. What is your name? He was asking the demon what his name was. But I'm telling you, that Jesus didn't care about the governmental society. He functioned in it. He came in the, in the era of Rome because nobody would understand what a kingdom was until Rome was on the planet. That's why he waited all those years, right? But that we know that. We studied that. But what he said was, what is your name? He was addressing the spirit in the person. My question is, are we as the church addressing the person? Are we addressing the person? Because if the person doesn't feel loved and they don't know that there's a higher power that loves them more than you and I could ever love them, they will easily go here and believe that they're the final answer. And then if if they don't get any help there and they've gone around that too far, you know what? That's a horrible thing. But there's one thing worse and that is a solution that comes in that's only half as bad. And that's this. And there are people on the planet right now who are trying to take away every right that you have and they're trying to make you conform to their groupthink. and I am awaiting a church that will unify and drop denominations that will drop the the craziness that the enemy wants to put in between churches and that we will rise up as one body and a force and we will bring heaven to earth you see There are forces that want to counterfeit what Jesus did in that scripture. He dealt with the demonic presence. He related. He healed. He delivered. That doesn't come from groupthink. That doesn't come from a government. There was a government in that man's time, and look what help they were to him. It comes from a king. And a government that is not of this earth. And God is asking the church to rise up in this hour. To hear his voice. To do what he says. To be his hands and feet on the planet. To love those around you by knowing their name. By meeting with them. By getting in their junk. By 
by allowing them to open up to you and say, this is how I've been hurt. This is what, what has happened to me through the years. And then to view all of that with God's heart. And say, I love you. I totally don't know what you're going through because I've never been through it, but I know that the God inside of me knows all of you. And I can connect to that God and he can give me empathy. I may not have the answer for you. you might have to, I might have to point you in other directions to get you what you need. But one thing you can rest assured of, you're in my heart. There's one thing that I know about seed and that is when it's planted in the soil, it immediately takes action. And through death, it produces life. Now, I'm not saying that we all have to be martyrs for the gospel, but what I am saying is we have to serve people in the way that they need to be served, not the way that we want to serve them. Because if we only serve people the way that we want to serve them, we'll end up on the far of that spectrum. And they won't find love anywhere. Because institutions, because parties, because governments cannot love people. People love people. And that's the call of the church in this hour. Who are you loving? Who are you caring for? Who are you following? Who are you bringing with you? We had a meeting last night in which we talked about the tenets of the summit and daily time in the word is the foundation. You'll learn how to hear his voice. You'll learn how he wants to work with you through things, you know, when, when you get that anger inside of you and he says, you know what? Be angry, but don't sin. Sometimes I think we get angry and we're like, oh, God doesn't like anger, so uh, we're just gonna be passive. No, have a righteous anger, but don't sin. Or maybe you're the person that has huge anxiety. You're dealing with issues like that all the time and he says, you know what, I wanna sit with you and I wanna show you what you mean to me. Or maybe you, you or someone you love is addicted to a substance and he wants to sit down with them and say, I know you're using that thing to try to fill an empty space in your life if you just listen to me and read with me and hear my voice, I'll fill that space and you won't have any need for that anymore. Now the Holy Spirit can convict people and do that. But I found that more often than not, it's because somebody said, I'm gonna sacrifice my life, my agenda, what I wanna do, and I wanna serve you how you need to be served. And in doing that, I'll open up the fertile soil of your heart and God can plant what he wants to in there. God is calling for a church to be willing to serve our community the way that they need to be served. I love that on this campus, I want to thank Josh and Kyle and all, DJ, all the people that make this happen technology-wise. We have our local community, the, the uh Tusk Against Trafficking comes in here and records, and the Anti-Drug Coalition comes in here and records. They do their podcast from here. All, all a dream off the dream board, by the way, to Josh. 
They come in here and they share what God is doing. And I have to ask myself, do we as a church have to repent for all the people that we walk by that are being helped by that organization, but we don't even know them? But we pass them every day. God is ready for a church to arise, to awaken, and to be his light in this world. But if we're going to be light, then we have to shine that light into the darkness. And we have to speak truth even when it's not fun. We have to speak truth even when we can be shut off on the, on the Facebook deal. Who cares? It's truth. Would you stand with me? I want to read some scriptures over you as we close today. Sometimes when you're looking at your situation, when you look at this board, when you see this stuff, you can think all hope is lost. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will supply all your needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. When you're feeling inadequate, He'll supply your need. Matthew 5.16, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Are we going to be a settlement of light? Are we going to be the settlement that people look from around the area and see a light? There's a light on there. There's a light on in Tuscarawas County and we got to go find out what it is. It's the heart of Jesus in these people. John 8, 12 says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. We go away from death to life. John 1, 5 says, And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. I'm telling you, today, you are undercover agents in a, in a city, in a county that is dark. And when you do it in the exact way that what he says to do it, you will be undercover and the light will be inside of them before they knew it. Arise. Awake from your sleep. For the light of Christ is in you. I know that this time can be, sometimes I just get all worked up. And I try to temper it down to come in front of you all. <laughs> just ask my wife. Sometimes we have to go for long walks. But there is a peace that passes everything. There is a blessing that comes from heaven that can just cover over all the nonsense of this world and equip you to share truth in every moment. God wants you to tap in. God wants you to get a part of that, to get a part of that vine. He says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shape you the way I want you to be shaped, but you know what? You're gonna be connected to the life source. And you're not going to be connected to something that's dead or frustrating. 
It's going to be, you're going to be connected to all of life. And the light that is in you will shine bright. So I want us to sing this song. You know it. You've heard it. And I want you to worship. I don't want you to sing the song. Sorry. I want you to worship. I want you to get in the presence of the Lord. Because the words of this song are so true. But we don't often believe it. So let's sing the blessing over all of us as a corporate body today. Lord bless you. shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. told you that government's the answer. They've told you that the provision that you need comes from an outside source that is not God. And I just speak to you right now. That there is freedom in knowing the creator of the universe. There is freedom in knowing the savior of the world. There is freedom in knowing Jesus Christ. For he went to the cross to carry all of the burdens that you're feeling right now. And he said, I take this upon me so that you can walk in freedom. So if that's you in this moment, I just want you to say to the Lord, Lord, I give you all that I am. I give you this brokenness. I give you these addictions. I give you this stuff. 
And I empty myself in front of you right now. And I want all of who you are to invade all of my space. And I want to make you the Lord of my life. I want freedom. I don't want groupthink anymore. I don't want government think anymore. I want the thinking of the creator of the universe and the one who died for my freedom. I receive you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I believe that if you said that, you are a Christian, but there's a different thing between a convert and a disciple. A convert just happened. You just became a convert of Jesus Christ, but there's a discipleship process. Ephesians 4 tells us that it is the renewing of our mind. We put off the old, we put on the new, but it's the renewing of our mind that brings us into a relationship with Jesus. And so I just speak to you right now. Somewhere around where you're at, someone will have a Bible. And in there is your constitution for your new life. And it will guide you, it will direct you, and it will bring freedom to you. So find a good church somewhere. I ask the Lord right now to send harvesters across your path that will guide and direct you that will bring you to a place of growth and freedom. And I ask you to turn off the noise of the world, turn off the the addictive things of this world, and focus on Him, even though He's just a new friend. And you will see transformation in your life. You'll see it in your family, you'll see it in your relationships, you'll see it in, you'll start to have Holy Spirit encounters and wonder what is going on. But He wants you more than you could want your own freedom. I believe that God has transformed people this morning. And I just want to pray over this house. Father, I thank you for those who are here with us today. Father, I thank you for those who are visiting with us, who who are just here for this morning. Maybe they're part of the family in the future, but they're here this morning. Lord, I want to say thank you for them being here. Father, I thank you for not just every soul that's here, but those who are watching, connecting online. Lord, I thank you that the impact of this ministry because of the gracious gifts of our people that allow us to go all around the world, Lord, that you are transforming lives. And I thank you for that. Father, I pray this blessing upon each person that as they go, angels before them, behind them, beside them, that they, that they go with them in every place. Lord, I ask for a massive amount of divine appointments this week where we can speak truth into this land. And Father, those who are meant to be in this embassy of your kingdom that we call the summit, it's not just a service, it's not just a church, it's a movement. And so Lord, those who are called to be here, may they come, may they stick. May we minister together. May we find freedom together. May we find freedom for our communities far and wide. We release that this morning over this house. In Jesus' name, amen.